Welcome back to the Traders Point Church of Christ podcast, and thank you for joining us. Each week, we open up the Bible for just a few minutes and discuss God's Word together. We discuss its meaning and the ways in which we can apply it in our walk as followers of Christ. If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, you can visit our website at traderspointchurch.org, and you can follow us on Facebook and YouTube as well. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please take just a second to do that so you can stay up to date on all of the content that's put out on this channel. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy today's conversation. Well, welcome once again. We appreciate everyone for studying along with us. We've been working over the last several weeks through the Gospel of Mark. We're going to continue to do that, I think, all the way to the very end of this year. So we've certainly enjoyed our study so far. We've worked our way through the first five chapters. We're going to spend a few minutes talking about Mark chapter 6. There's a lot that's going on. Uh, in Mark chapter 6, a lot of different things. We, there was a lot that happened in Mark chapter 5, but a lot of similar things that was mm-hmm. taking place. Jesus, you know, showcasing his power through miracles. It, you, we see that again in Mark chapter 6, Jesus demonstrating his power, but we see multiple other things as well. It's a long chapter, and we'll do our best to kind of walk our way through it and uh, and try to pull some things out of it that can possibly be helpful uh, to everyone who's listening. So before we dive right into Mark chapter 6, uh, John, why don't you kind of set the stage for uh, kind of what's going on and maybe a little bit of what uh, we have in store uh, here in this chapter. Yeah, certainly at this point, I mean, we are full, Jesus is in full swing. He is uh, he is moving about, uh, healing people, teaching people, uh, sharing his message. He has the 12 with him. And they they are doing their best to move throughout the multitudes of people. And we, we talked about this last week, and, and really we've referenced it many times, everywhere Jesus goes at this point. And there are crowds and crowds of people all around him wanting his attention, his time, wanting to be healed, wanting to see him, talk to him, hear him, whatever it might be. And, and so he is he is certainly a very public figure at this point. Um, he is very well known as he is moving about. And as we get into chapter 6, we're going to see some of Jesus' interactions with some of his closer friends from his childhood in his hometown. Um, we're also going to get some more interactions between him and the Twelve. And then probably one of the most well-known miracles of Jesus is also included here in Mark chapter 6 as he feeds the multitudes of people that are around him. But one of the things that I love about the Gospel of Mark is how quickly it moves through these things. And you and I have talked about that presents some challenges when we're trying to summarize some of these things in 15 minutes. But Mark really is a a great way to read through the life of Jesus very quickly. You can read from the beginning to the end of Mark probably in an hour or so. Um, It moves very quickly. And it it really gives us that opportunity to just be fully engrossed in Jesus' ministry. Mark does a good job of just kind of hitting the highlights almost as we go throughout his ministry. And that's kind of what we're getting here in chapter 6. It's boom, boom, boom as as he hits on several different uh, occasions and stories within Jesus' ministry. And so that's kind of where we're at here as we begin chapter 6. Yeah, Mark chapter 6, you know, we made mention kind of in Mark chapter 5, lots of things took place, but it was all really surrounding, you know, Jesus and and the power that he has. Different types of miracles we saw certainly in that chapter. But really here in chapter 6, there are really kind of three different things that are taking place. And so we'll kind of break up the chapter and, and kind of focus on those three things where you kind of have, 
You know, at the beginning, Jesus talking about his own ministry, specifically his teaching, and the teaching of the twelve and the ones the, the the teaching they'll do right now, and I think alluding to the teaching that they'll have, you know, coming up sure. and the challenges in that level of teaching. And so he kind of talks about that at the beginning. In, in the middle, there's a story about John the Baptist that Mark kind of throws in here, uh, specifically about uh, you know his his killing and, and the significance of that that would have been on Jesus, even though Jesus isn't right there. This would have had a significant significant impact on Jesus, uh, this news and everything that surrounded it. And then, as you made mention at the very end of this chapter, uh, we'll see uh, a Jesus and his power uh, brought to the forefront again with the feeding of the 5,000, uh, walking on the water. Uh, again, the phrases of, you know, he healed many, 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 you know, kind of at the end of the chapter. And so uh, we'll kind of break it up ourselves, you know, maybe in that way. You know, it's interesting at the very beginning of this where Jesus begins to talk about, we've seen him in the Gospel of Mark and, and, and an incredible amount of miracles that he has performed. Mm-hmm. I, I think you've you've rightly said, and we've made the point, I think, over, you know, over several weeks that, you know, I think Mark really does a good job of giving us specific miracles that he's performing, but also indicating that it's not this at this time that Jesus has performed ten miracles that mm-hmm. we've seen so far in the book of Mark. He he has he, he could easily be in the thousands yeah. at this time. Yeah. And Mark is doing an incredible job showcasing that. But here at the beginning of chapter six, we kind of get to switch a little. Uh, on you know just his ministry itself and the challenge of his teaching, which ultimately is you know is key, and not just the challenge that he is going to have, but I think a big part of that you see this in John's gospel, most certainly towards the very end mm-hmm. when he's making mention to his apostles. Since I've had so much difficulty, you certainly are going to have difficulty, and, and this feels like that a little bit here at the beginning of the chapter. It does, you know. He he were told that he goes back to his home country and he's teaching around that area and people are not receptive to him but he doesn't seem surprised by that in fact he kind of alludes to the fact that this is what happens when when the prophets come home so to speak and and, you know you think about that specific location and the people that were around him they saw him when he was a baby, they saw him when he was running around as a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old, and they know his mom and dad. And, and so you can kind of understand how they're like, wait a minute, this is the son of God? This is the you know 11-year-old that was climbing trees with me you know 20 years ago. And it, it, it's hard for them to wrap their minds around who they're looking at and who they're hearing. Now, that's not an excuse for their unbelief. But it is where they find themselves. And and to your point, I I think as Jesus faces some of these challenges with his ministry, he's then able to relate and relay some of those challenges that the apostles are going to face. They're going to face uh, a a remarkable amount of challenges, not just now, but certainly in in a few years when Jesus is gone and they're now the ones that are carrying the weight and the burden of these things. They're going to face incredible challenges. And so Jesus is able to relate to that and and try and help prepare them 
as he sends them out to begin their own work spreading the gospel. Yeah, I mean, this certainly is you know a, you know a well known parable, the parable of the sower. You know, you know it's he, he's not giving that to us right here, but in a lot of ways, certainly from verses seven through thirteen, when he's talking to the apostles, the twelve, and he sends them out two by two, and he's giving them instructions, and he says, "Listen, some people are going to allow you to stay; they're going to listen, and you, you stay there as long as you can. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to receive." that yeah and he kind of gives them some instructions of don't worry don't worry about that almost the don't don't t- don't take that personal right yeah. that that's going to happen you know move just move on to you know to the next and you know and I think that's a good reminder you know for us that you know it, it is you know we, there's no forcing people to listen uh, yeah. to about Jesus there's no forcing you know we, we've got to share the message of Jesus but then it's ultimately up to you know how that person is going to accept it or reject it, yeah. and, and you know my responsibility is is sharing, and you're going to listen or or you're not going to listen, and so you know it, it's a good reminder I think for us certainly a good reminder you know for the apostles not just in this you know limited capacity that we reference it as here, but as you made mention you, you know just a couple of years from now when Jesus is gone. And they're carrying the whole message of the gospel, and uh, the the impact of rejection that's going to come is a great lesson for them. It is, and you know, Jesus not only prepares them by helping them navigate some of the challenges they're going to face. We're also told here that they were given powers. I mean, they were given the ability to to cast out demons, and you know, certainly we'll see later on as as the the story of the apostles continues that they too will be able to perform miracles of various sorts. And you know, Jesus is is not just preparing them from the perspective of helping them understand the challenges they're going to face. He's also giving them tools in which they can use, just as Jesus has been, to prove where they are coming from to prove their message as the one that is truly from God. And so now the apostles find themselves also able to do some of the things that they have marveled at watching Jesus do. They now, too, have have the ability to do some of those things. And so we really see them. This is a big step in their progression as, as again, Jesus is preparing them as he does throughout his ministry, preparing them for the time when he's going to be gone this is kind of another step in that preparation process. Yeah, there's no question about that. Well, this middle section um, about John the Baptist is is interesting, certainly in the place of, of where it comes. Uh, Mark makes mention of John the Baptist, the very, very beginning mm-hmm. of his gospel in, in the first few verses, but then, you know, you, you, we don't have anything else, you know, until now. But there, there really is a, an incredible parallel that's going to come from what you see in John and his story here, and ultimately what we'll see from Jesus, you know, years, you know, from this place, or you know, uh, you know, not long from this spot, where you have John the Bob- Baptist speaking the truth, it not being accepted very well, mm-hmm. and him being persecuted and ultimately killed, and yeah. and, and really that's Jesus's trajectory. Yeah. He's going to be one that speaks the truth. He's going to do it boldly, mm-hmm. as John does here, and uh, he's going to be persecuted for that and ultimately killed. And it, you're going to be able to read Jesus' story and think, well, that, that wasn't fair in any capacity. And you read John's story here, and you're thinking, well, that, that wasn't fair you know, in any capacity. But I think you know, sometimes, I don't know if underestimating is the right word, but this would have had a massive impact on Jesus. 
I mean, you, you know, we, we cannot lose sight of the relationship that John the Baptist had with Jesus as the Son of Man and as the Son of God. I mean, yeah. you know, they were relatives. Uh, they're relatively similar ages, right? Uh, we know their families had already spent time together and the close relationship that their mothers had. You would have had to think that that would continue on a little bit. But yet, not just that physical relationship, the impact that, you know, John and that relationship that he has with Jesus from the spiritual side, acknowledging who Jesus is, him baptizing Jesus, acknowledging that he is the Son of God, paving the way. It is, you know, I use unique in the most literal of senses. Uh, he has a unique relationship with Jesus that no, no, one, no one shared the relationship that John had, John the Baptist had with Jesus. Nobody did. It was completely unique. And, and this would have had a massive impact, I think, on Jesus. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And, you know, some of the other gospel writers fill in more of John's story for us than than what Mark gives us. But, you know, in Matthew's account, as, as he talks about the beheading of, of John, it says in verse number 13 of Matthew chapter 14, when Jesus heard it, when Jesus heard about John's beheading, he departed from there by a boat to a deserted place by himself. And you get the impression that he needed some time alone. Again, because of their relationship that, that you were talking about, not just physically, but also the, their relationship in their work. They, they're both there trying to do the same thing. John preparing the way for Jesus so that the gospel can spread. And so they were connected in a variety of different ways. And to hear about John's death impacted Jesus remarkably. But one of the more one of the most amazing things we'll ever see, I think, is that when Jesus heard about it and he departed to be by himself, what happens? The multitudes find him. The crowds find him and they come to Jesus and they want things from him. They want to be healed. They want to hear him teach. They want to be around him. They want his time. And, And here Jesus is trying to grieve the loss, the murder of his friend, of his relative just wanting some time by himself, and the crowds find him. And Jesus doesn't send them away. Jesus doesn't lash out and say, can you guys just give me one minute by myself? That's not how he responds at all. And it is really remarkable to just see how Jesus is able to compose himself. He's he's always cognizant of the fact that he is here for these people. That's why God sent him to earth, for these people. And so he is able to put aside his own needs at this point, his own grief, and he's able to give these people the attention that they crave from him. And it's just another amazing example of Jesus' love and compassion for people to be able to set that aside and still give the people what they need at this time. Yeah, I mean, that's the exact setting for that the, that next story that Mark shares us when, when Jesus feeds the 5,000 where you have, you know, they're beginning in verse 30 that, you know, the, the apostles come back and, and they're reporting to Jesus everything that had been done. He sent them away two by two. We saw at the beginning of the chapter. And, and, and you know, it's interesting. Jesus is like, listen, you guys need to rest for a little yeah. bit. And uh, I'm like, when, when, do you, when, when are you resting, <laughs> right. right? I mean, maybe that's what they asked him. But, you know, it, it, listen, you, you need to rest. But mm-hmm. it, it, even that wasn't able. I mean, Mark, again, sets that stage. That they they there are so many people coming and going. They didn't have time to eat. Yeah, and um and, and they tried to get away. They tried to depart to a deserted place. Verse thirty two, but verse thirty three, the multitude saw them departing. 
and they knew they knew him, and they they ran from all cities yeah. on foot to where he was. And you know, you you would think again, you know, is Jesus agitated by that? Is he is he bothered by that? Is he frustrated by that? Well, what he is, he's compassionate about it. So you have there in verse 34, Jesus comes out, he sees the great multitude, and he's moved with compassion for them. And, uh, you know, he has an an opportunity to spend with them, certainly an opportunity to teach and, and, uh, you know, to impart some some lessons. And uh, they find themselves in a position that you have all these people here, no one has eaten, and uh, the remarkable story of from just a, a, a lunch, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about you know a young boy opening his lunchbox. I mean, that's in essence what's happening here. And uh, he's like, "This is what I got, this little bitty bit." And uh, and, and Jesus multiplies that. He, he he's not making people feel full. He multiplies this food because we know, you know, the baskets that ultimately they pull up. Yeah, I, I love how the apostles respond when Jesus tells them there in verse 36, we'll give them something to eat. Yeah. And they say, should we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? It's almost as if they're laughing like, oh, you know, funny Jesus making one of his jokes here. You want us to go spend money we don't have to buy tons of food for all these people? And so you get this, again, this impression that regardless of how much time they have spent around Jesus, it is still hard for them to fathom what he's capable of. And they still find themselves doubting at times. And it, you know, we give them a hard time, and some of it certainly is probably deserved, understandably so. But also, just think about trying to retrain your brain to see 5,000 people out there and a couple of fish and a little bit of bread and, and your reaction to be, that's fine, that's enough, he'll take care of it. Like that That's not the way our brains work. And, and these men in this moment, they were trying to retrain themselves to think of Jesus the way that he wants them to and to have the faith in him that he wants them to. But it's a challenge, and it's understandably a challenge. Right. And I think all of us go through that in some form or fashion. Now, it looks obviously different than what the apostles went through, but all of us go through that process of coming to terms with who Jesus is and then recognizing the power that he has and the love that he has for us and that being our first reaction, our first response. All of us go through that. And so I think even though the circumstances are very different, we can relate to how they respond here. Yeah, I mean, there's no question, you know, about it. And, you know, it's just, it, it is, it's a remarkable story. It, you know, it's interesting. We don't have the time to dive into it here, but, you know, this uh, this miracle of feeding the 5,000 is the, the only miracle that all four Gospels make mention of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it does carry great significance. Uh, a little spoiler, if you go to John's uh, Gospel and read about this, I, I think you get a good indication why this is such an important moment, because the teaching that John includes uh, from Jesus surrounding this moment and ultimately uh, the confession that he gets out of the apostles, uh, you know, from this. But yet Mark is moving, right? He's moving on. Uh, John gives us an incredibly lengthy, (laughs) you know, piece of teaching from Jesus. But, you know, Mark is moving on. And so you have the story as it closes where, you know, 
Jesus tells his apostles, listen, get into this boat, head on out. I'll deal with this multitude of getting them, you know, kind of dispersed. And, and you know, they get in the boat and they head out and, and they're they're kind of out there. And, the you know, a storm, you know, every time they're in a boat, a storm is coming, yeah, it just yeah. seems. And, and you and, stay off the water. <laughs> that's exactly right. And, and, you know, Jesus just, he walks out there, right? He, he After he gets rid of the crowds, he, he kind of walks, he walks on the water out to them. And uh, they're, they're afraid of that for certain. This is not a normal, you know, certainly occurrence. And, you know, he tells them, listen, don't be afraid of that. He gets in the boat. The winds cease. We've seen, you know, some of this, you know, some of this before. And uh, But what I want to get to is the very end of this chapter when they have crossed over and, you know, they come to a, another land. And verse 54, they come out of the boat. Immediately the people recognize them. They ran through the whole surrounding region, and they began to carry about the beds who were sick. And wherever they heard he was, he entered into villages. They laid the sick in the marketplaces, and they begged just to touch the hem of his garment. I mean, it is one day after the other after the other that this is uh, this is the the reality uh, of Jesus at this time and the people pushing around him yeah you just try and envision all of that taking place I mean it would have completely turned a city upside down or a village upside down to when Jesus walked into it I mean Everything stopped and everybody came out and anybody that had the sniffles or worse was out there wanting to be healed. I mean, it's just it was just a chaotic scene everywhere that Jesus went. And it truly is just amazing to be able to take a step back and look at how unflappable he was in those moments and how he just continued to focus on the love and compassion that he had for people. And as we see at the very end, many touched him and were made well. He did exactly what they wanted him to do and what they needed him to do, regardless of where he was emotionally. Is he still dealing with the death of John? Uh, Regardless where he was physically, he's got to be tired. And yet he continued to make time for people because that's what Jesus does. No doubt. Well, we've worked our way all through through all fifty six of these verses. Uh, we we didn't have certainly the time to hit every little bitty thing that there, that's there. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on, you know, in this chapter. And if you're listening to this, uh, you do yourself a favor and give yourself a minute and, and read Mark chapter six. It won't take you very long. I know it's fifty six verses, but it, it won't take you very long. And, uh, and and certainly you'll be better for it. It, it is a powerful chapter uh, about Jesus who continues to be incredibly popular. And it'll be interesting as we continue to follow through Gospel of Mark to see where his popularity goes and how it is that Mark tells that story. So uh, stay along with us next week. We'll dive into Mark chapter 7.